This episode of the Vacant House Podcast is brought to you by the Asian couple that lives above me. I truly appreciate their commitment and consistency in screaming at each other until 2 or 3 in the morning. It has helped me grow not only as a man, but as a person. So, to the Asian couple, thank you so much for the sleepless nights and the numerous contemplations of life. Sincerely, Apartment 18F. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Vegan House Podcast, where thoughts turn into banter. I am your co-host, Hayden Snook, alongside two of Big Valley's best, Kyle Bargo. What's going on? And Spike Salter. Oh, oh, what's up? (laughs) (laughs) And today, we have a Vegan House special. We have our first guest, Noah Menino. How's it going, everyone? So, Noah, uh, you can tell a little bit about yourself. Uh, yeah, so recently graduated Penn State in 2018, uh, same as Hayden and Bargo, and I'm currently working as an automation controls engineer at W.O. Gore. Hell yeah. Awesome, awesome. Yeah. Uh, so the reason we brought Noah on is because he is an engineer, and we have this trend lately of, uh, lately of talking about technology and or science. And today we ask the question, is science going too far? Um, I have a feeling that this episode is going to be very open air and thoughts will jump out at random times. And hopefully we walk away feeling a little more informed and terrified for the future. <laughs> um, so, uh, as always, I'm going to ask, what's new? Spike. Well, first of all, I just wanted to say happy Easter to everybody, whether you whether you celebrate it as a religious event or it's just a time for you to hang out with your families and you know have meals or color easter eggs just happy easter everybody um not a lot new with me i will say this though that living in central pennsylvania i'm extremely pumped that the weather is finally turning around i swear every single year the winter gets longer and longer and by definition spring and summer get shorter and shorter and so looking at the weather app and seeing that consistent 65 to 75 degree weather is extremely um extremely nice to see and i am glad that winter is finally over amen brother yeah bargo so from my end i obviously took the three-hour trip back from pittsburgh to good old reedsville to talk to family and reconnect and do all that I was very excited whenever I scratched off my first lottery ticket for my Easter basket. It's a $3 lottery ticket, and I won three Gs, uh, $300. <laughs> I was going to say three grand? Oh, my God. When did, when to us G in Mifflin County, three Gs is either $30 or $300. So a little bit. <laughs> I won three Gs, $3. Uh... Yeah. <laughs> but normally what's funny about that is normally my brother and I always got the same type of stuff in our stockings, our Easter baskets, whether it's cards or lottery tickets or whatever. And I always had the complete shit end of the stick. So he actually scratched off. I think we each had like $20 worth of tickets and he scratched off a $5 winner and was rubbing it in my face. And he was not happy to see that I hit my three G's. So it was a lot of fun. Glad I spent it already on video games. So didn't go anywhere. <laughs> didn't go anywhere uh, super important. <laughs> but hey, Hayden, 
Yeah. Just just kidding. Noah, what's new with you? <laughs> <laughs> well, first of all, I just want to say thanks for having me on, guys. Um, you are welcome. Nothing really new for me other than uh, went home for Easter. Had a good time seeing my family, being that I live almost four hours away at this point. Don't go home all that often, so it was nice to see everyone. And this weekend, I'm looking forward to beating myself up on a 35-mile hike in Virginia. Now, are you taking any breaks like during that, or like are you pretty much trucking right through all day? I mean, we'll sleep at night, but you know. okay, you're taking a, like a day break. Yeah, it'll it'll be over the course of two nights and three days. Oh, okay. Wow. So you're taking your time then instead of rushing it. Cause like we had a hobo hike in, in uh, college and we walked 20 miles in one day and it was just mm-hmm. awful. Yeah. That's rough. Yeah. And I yeah. also remember that one time at the cabin where we walked up and over the mountain and came down. <laughs> oh boy. I remember that. <laughs> oh yeah. And Hayden had a BB gun. It was the- <laughs> I love this story because Hayden had this BB gun and he would shoot it up in the air and be like, please hit me. Please hit me. <laughs> As if that would kill me. Yeah, right. And, and shout took- out, shout out to Mitch for actually picking us up because if it weren't for him, I think everybody else would be pissed. Yeah, yeah. we definitely would have gone home that night without having a good time because yeah. we were all just super upset with everything. Remember that guy that we thought was Mitch but wasn't? Oh, we <laughs> oh, <he> were <was laughs> yeah, so was disappointed. <laughs> Biggest tease ever. Oh my gosh, it was it was that was terrible. Hayden, what's up with you, buddy? <laughs> so I said before, happy Easter, everybody. Uh, to those who celebrate and I guess happy Passover for my Jewish friends. <laughs> uh, so I got to spend a lot of time with family, <laughs> spend a lot of time with family. And uh, also my leg is currently out of commission. I hurt my back really bad, like two or three weeks ago. And it's <laughs> my leg feels like it's constantly getting jabbed with a knife. So it's kind of rough, but other than that, life's pretty good. <laughs> Which one of your three legs? <sighs> <laughs> the left the center one. one. <laughs> the center one. <laughs> Can't walk on that, huh? It, it, I need a special prosthetic like leg for that. <laughs> Makes sense. Okay, so I guess uh, before we jump into things, we'd like to ask for you to subscribe and review our podcast on whichever podcast platform you're using today. Um, we'd love to hear feedback because it motivates us to keep on moving forward. Uh, we also post weekly content on our Instagram page, and we're going to start posting a couple more things here and there on our stories, so go check it out and give us a follow. Um, and, oh, also, congratulations to Anna Taptich on being the first winner of our giveaway for the VHP crew neck. Can we have a round of applause for Anna Taptich? Yay, Anna. Okay. Okay, so... Uh, we're just going to kind of jump into the conversation here. So to start off with science and technology going too far, we're going to talk a little bit about uh, technology and the automation of jobs and certain things like that. So if one of you guys want to take the reins and start off with what you got. So from my perspective, technology is a great thing. I work in technology. Technology is fantastic. It makes our lives easier. Not everyone might think that way, but technology is a blessing. Technology automation takes all those people that know technology and allow them to relax, coast back in their chairs, and just watch all the pieces work. So I think technology automation is a good thing. Uh, In most industries, 
Obviously, there hits a point where it becomes too far, like we kind of talk about in the title. But more often than not, it's lazy work. It's it's work that is very redundant, very mundane, that can easily, hence why it's, it's easy, easy to automate because there's not a lot of different moving pieces with it. So I'm pro automation. I'm all about it. Uh, and I, I want to know why, if any of you guys are against automation, why that's the case. Mm-hmm. So I, I uh, you, you can go ahead, Noah. You were about to say something. I was just going to say I completely agree with Bargill. You know, the laziest people are the best automators mm-hmm. because, you know, Work they, smarter, not harder. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think it's a good and bad thing. So I obviously, I don't know if you guys heard about the whole learn to code m- movement, like the political mm-hmm. thing behind that. Did you, you guys hear about that? Mm-hmm. So like there was like a, a movement that technology should keep moving forward and the people that lose their jobs because of technology should just learn to code. Like, uh, like it was a joke and whatever. And I, I kind of think, I think it's a good thing because obviously as technology keeps moving forward, then more things become, uh, better so even like with vaccines and and medicine if things get automated there surgeries will get better and more processed and everything will happen in the same kind of uh, manner and easily without having to have a human hand necessarily maybe they're guiding the way but also Mm -hmm. then that loses that doctor's responsibility of if he makes one wrong incision and causes a guy's life or something you know what i mean Mm -hmm. so it's Automation in that way is a good thing. I think the only bad side you're going to see about it is like the people that lose their jobs and can't like adapt to the automation. Right. Uh, because, so, yeah, I was going to say, cause you think about it, you're not necessarily losing jobs with automation. You're losing blue collar jobs. You're losing right. jobs that, like I said, are, are very redundant, uh, things that are very repetitive and easy to replicate. Um, but you're also having people that have to support the technology, behind automating it so it's really hard i think it's tough because like that whole learn to to code movement it is hard you're not going to take some uh 50 year old guy that's worked in a factory for 35 years you're not going to have him go and learn to code html and and be a web developer that's not realistic Uh, but at the same time that's where our society's moving towards so i don't necessarily think that we can really say oh automation's tearing us apart and it's not america anymore and because that that's where we need to stay competitive with other countries and that's what china mm-hmm. that's what russia that's all what all these other countries are moving towards and i don't know if you guys have followed uh there's a uh i think it's called boston boston robotics or boston automation uh they've been pumping out some crazy uh, i think there's going to be a, a hundred different uh types of these robots that are pumping out here soon that, are they the ones that have that jumping robot that can like stabilize itself yeah chances are if you've seen any sort of robots that look creepy and or very productive and good for business and good more so for manufacturing like that's from this company uh and and there's a lot of people that are very against that because you're essentially it all comes down to ai too how smart do we make these robots before they take over the people that are supposed to maintain them right and that's where we really come to what everyone's really afraid of is technology going AWOL and technology not cooperating with so I guess like the masters I guess um but yeah that's where it gets like really eerie and creepy if when you talk about robot takeovers 
Mm -hmm. So talking about robot takeovers, has anyone seen the video of a herd of Boston Dynamic robots pulling a truck? Yeah. (laughs) I saw that on Reddit today. That was wild. What happened? It was just a bunch of uh, Boston Dynamic uh, dog robots, basically, and they're pulling a semi truck. (laughs) So like sled dogs, but robots. Correct. Mm -hmm. And that's what's funny about that, too, is I actually heard about this on the Joe Rogan podcast and I looked it up uh, later, but there's it's no different than exactly like you said, sled dogs. So they essentially created these robots to show off like what they can really do. But that's not really realistic. Like it's better to just have for for the cost and everything. You might as well just have a semi truck pull something. So (laughs) it's one of those extreme (laughs) examples of, hey, look how cool this is. But. The yeah, flexing really your there. muscles. Well, yeah, I, mean, exactly. I mean, Elon Musk has already got those uh, semi trucks that are in process right now or in production for like automated driving, right? Yes, Elon I mean, Musk. That, yeah, he's that's he's crazy. Else. <laughs> I mean, if if he can actually get that, I mean, they have to have like a point zero 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 one failure rate, like mm-hmm. to even go on the roads and to be approved by departments of transportation, but like. It's if he can do it, it that's going to change the trucking industry forever. That'll even mechanics then like eventually like mechanics will lose their jobs because then robots will be able to fix the, the semi trucks that run by themselves anyway, or the trucks will be able to fix themselves. Who knows? You know? So commenting on that, I think self-driving cars are coming in our near future, like mm-hmm. not too far out. For Same sure. with the the self-driving semi-truck. However, I don't think automotive mechanics are going anywhere anytime soon. Mm-hmm. There's always going to be machine breakdowns. Like There's always problems. And working in industry, mm-hmm. I've learned that very prominently in, in my career thus far. Basically, my job is fixing screw-ups from other things in the past that, you know, aren't working as they should or have broken down in time. Mm-hmm. Spike, I know you're used to horse and buggies, but any input on on technology? <laughs> you know, I'm going to be honest with you guys. I, I don't know a ton about this. Mm-hmm. I don't really research a ton of this. Um, I'm on both sides, I guess. Do I do I think that robots are and, and doing easy job like robots doing easy jobs is is a bad thing no but i do understand people's um assumptions that it'll just grow into more and more and more Mm -hmm. because humans are lazy just naturally even even the hardest working humans are still lazy in a way Mm -hmm. and i do think that there is potential for the innocent idea of robots just doing these easy, normal jobs to grow into more and more and more. Mm-hmm. Hmm. And I, I don't know if I necessarily like that. I I am more of a, I don't really know what the word is, a naturalist, I guess, where I think humans are a lo- are capable of a lot more than what they actually do. And to to let artificial intelligence control that much i'm not saying they do now but the potential of what they control i I don't necessarily like it 
that's really as far as my thought goes though so i'm interested to hear what you guys think about that so that's the perspective i really like to hear because even in my experiences it's just people that are not necessarily against the idea of doing less work but just very reluctant like of change yeah so even in technology you think like oh it's just the older our older generation that don't want cell phones they want to go out and just relax and and work and, and work in the farms as opposed to buy a, a three thousand dollar machine that'll till your crops for you that'll pay off in two years kind of mentality um, but at, at the same time even in, in my perspective like working with uh, so essentially what I do right now uh, in this rotation is I'm automating uh, our incident response and like notable statuses so anytime that uh, incidents come in for like the health center or for the health, uh, the health plan. Uh, if someone has, I don't know, a website that's blocked or their account gets locked out, we have actual analysts that go in and work with them and go through a ticketing process. So essentially what I'm doing is taking that process away and having our analysts click two or three buttons as opposed to creating a ticket with a specific format and, and going through all these like monotonous steps. And even people in technology are so against any sort of change even if it's for the better so hearing like your perspective or not not even necessarily your perspective but a perspective of someone that doesn't really know that much about it that's to me that's one of the most valuable uh opinions is because that's going to impact you and it's going to impact a lot of people because this kind of stuff comes out of nowhere and yeah. to people in, in lewistown or a really like small rural area whenever something like this hits it's like it came out of nowhere. It's like it's the Jetsons. It's like it's the future. Right. I mean, it kind of is because you, you look at the past. This has never existed. Mm -hmm. And so you can say you can say that this isn't really a quick process because it's been happening for the past few years. But if you look at history itself, no, it is. It's extremely fast. Mm -hmm. Yeah. My uh, my experience with automation in general is. Uh, my first job I ever had was at a pill production factory uh, right in Millbury, Pennsylvania. And it, they did like protein pills and powders and stuff like that. Um, and a lot of what they did was just on a conveyor belt. Just it would go through, it would label a bottle, the bottle would be filled with pills, and then a machine would twist and on the cap. And a lot of the jobs were just people standing on the outside of those like machines that were doing that specific job and making sure the machine did it right. So my job was to make sure that the caps were screwed on like completely. And I would grab a bottle if I saw a cap up. Um, and if it was popped off, I would screw it back on, fix it up real quick. Uh, but as like time went on, I did less and less work and I found myself like falling asleep there as I, as I was watching pill bottles go by because it, it was just so like on, on point, the, the machine was so, uh, kind accurate. of consistent and accurate with, uh, with the way it was just automating everything. And I, I was sitting there after I left that job and especially I went to college and, and got a degree and all that. And I started thinking about what are the people that have those jobs that are our age right now going to do. So it's, it's very common that people that work these blue collar jobs have the most children and start the most families. And they live like they have three, it's like average of like two to four kids per family for blue collar jobs. It's, 
it's pretty uh, staggering. But the reason I say that is most of those children end up at the same like intelligent level or like they get interested in the same things that their parents are. So they might end up working the same kind of jobs. And if those jobs don't exist, I guess if they, if their family doesn't adapt to generations begin not to adapt Mm -hmm. and they stay behind and that's what causes more poverty and, and suffering. So it's, I I don't know what you guys have input on that or not. It was just my thought today. I would just say that comes down to the school system then to adapt to the times. Yeah, I would agree. Because even Mm -hmm. looking like I was talking to my dad over the weekend and he was talking about how uh, one of his friends at work, their kids are going through state high now. And they said that they have hardly any sort of computer science programming, nothing over there. That's stupid. Whereas in Mifflin County, when we had Mrs. Fisher, who was one of the best teachers I've ever had, we were hands on digging into not only robotics, but just introductory code, whether it be with Scratch or with uh, Visual Studio a variety of different languages, really wherever you wanted to go. And some of those, some people just viewed it as a joke. I mean, I didn't really do all that much (laughs) in either of the classes that I took with her, but however far you wanted to go, you could go. And I think if you're in a school system, I feel like, especially like, um, like city schools where you don't really have a lot of hands on the student, uh, teacher ratio is, is very off. It's going to be hard for those type of systems to make big changes. And if they don't make those big changes, it's exactly what you said, Hayden, where, Mm -hmm. because I think half of the education of a kid comes from the household and half of it comes from the school system. So you, you, Mm -hmm. you can't really, if you're not getting that experience in school and you're definitely not getting it at home, if your dad's working that factory job and, and it's, relentless hours and so something interesting about this like inner city kids uh, when i was in new york i was talking to uh, denver's cousin about this a little bit and they have like specific schools that where kids like whenever they go into high school get to choose what path they want to go through Hmm. like so if they want a more tech like technological path they can take like a computer science path or an info technology path or engineering That's wild. path yeah it's it's actually really advanced in the cities and it's just cuz like you know it's typical for democrats to like in democratic run cities for like uh education to be more looked upon you know what i mean mm-hmm. rather than uh i, I don't want to get was political but yeah. Change. yeah exactly yeah they they want to keep like just putting new programs and implementing money into education. And that's just Mm -hmm. a common thing with democratic run cities, Mm -hmm. but it, it's pretty crazy how those kids within their cities get to choose that distinction. And it, it's almost like the teachers probably guide them to certain areas. Mm -hmm. Well, just think how valuable that would be. Like if you're going into computer science, having a computer science, not only just a course, but having a path, but that's also putting a lot on the kid and, and or the parents to really encourage their kid to make their decisions because a lot of us had no clue what we were doing coming out of high school, let alone a year or two into college. So apparently it's like they do one or two years of kind of an adjustment phase. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Where they kind of like – they it's kind of like college in a way. You start off taking those entry-level courses and then – if you could switch after your sophomore year, you could still switch your major and have time to do it. But in, in high school, like this, by the second year, if you're going to college by your sophomore year, you usually, you usually know what you're going to get into eventually. 
based on like what you enjoy and what your hobbies are. Wow. That, that certainly was not my mentality because once I took Hopple's AP physics, I knew I wasn't going to do engineering, (laughs) (laughs) but you still had that technology background that made you want to do computer science or info technology. What Mm -hmm. what was yours? IT. Yeah. And and kind of what's crazy about that is I wanted to do engineering because my dad was an engineer and because I saw what he was interested in and I kind of wanted to follow in his footsteps. And then once that course came around and I realized, Hey, I can't do this. I don't really want to do this. It's not enjoyable to me. <laughs> the only reason that I even chose IT was because of YouTube, because I was on my computer all the time playing video games. It was just that familiar area. And you learn like little hints of things here and there from just hosting a Terraria server, right? There's just, there's just a lot of different things that you get into in your, in your pastime that kind of encouraged me to go that route. But I couldn't even imagine having to say it's sophomore year, freshman year of high school. Hey, I think I want to do engineering because I can't imagine you're not going to be taking an AP physics equivalent until junior, senior year anyway. And you're supposed Mm -hmm. to have your mind made up by then. Yeah. So I don't know how that's. So I I, 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 I think like a lot of these programs though are from like way more advanced students, like the geniuses Mm -hmm. of, city and mm-hmm. you got to think that there's way more kids that are that smart in cities where there's millions of people rather than mifflin county where there's like 10 people in the gifted program the you gifted know what i mean program yeah yeah <laughs> so so there's just so many more people oh. like make those like i feel like if you're like a crazy genius and you're surrounded by crazy geniuses like all the time you probably have a better grasp on like N- not in reality you're, you're not you don't have a great gr- grasp on reality of life but you also have a grasp on oh i'm really good at this so mm-hmm. i'm gonna go down this road right isn't this how uh most of first world countries are set up outside of the u.s to where you pretty much know what you're doing going into high school yeah like yeah freshman year you pick your path and mm-hmm. then you go forward with that path yeah mm-hmm. and the problem with that is it's like a it's a very like socialistic idea of like, let's choose your path and stick to it rather than, you know what I mean? Yeah. That's the only problem with it. You can't like, once you have that education in those countries, it's like kind of like you can't really switch paths because you're expert. You're an expert in one area rather than being able to expand into other areas. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, when I went over to Germany, uh, I think it was my junior year. I went there for, I think three or four weeks. It wasn't a long time at all. But all the kids over there, there were Felix and Nico and a bunch of guys that came to Juniata for a semester. Then we went over there for three weeks. Some people stayed for the entire semester. But they did the same exact thing now that you say that is they knew whether at least it was like technology versus business versus like in terms of broad uh, capacities of what you want to do. And then a lot of those, at least in Germany, education was cheap and or free. So you paid for your housing and, and as long as you went and kept with your path and kept your grades, you were coasting through and you weren't paying a penny. So they went to equivalent an equivalent of like a community college, but it was entirely free outside of their room and board. So, I mean, I, I think we're just presented, I don't want to get into the, the entirety of education system versus education system, but looking at how expensive school is over here, it's also going to be harder once automation hits to convince people because schools are only going to raise their tuition until the government makes some sort of change. And, and that's, I don't see that likely anytime soon, unless you have 
you have candidates that suggest like free tuition and, <laughs> and things like that. That's not really realistic. Yeah. So Spike, what like any thoughts on this? Like I just trying to drag into the conversation here because like you said, you, you don't really focus on things like this all the time. Just hearing us talk about it. Like what are you thinking in your head and your thoughts about it? About about what really? So me, like about like about like school systems changing and having to be more uh, ch- a chosen path and having to be more tech- technological based uh, education that kind well, of thing. I, I think taking the first question of I, I think kids disca- deciding what they want to do at an early age and half I would say more than half the time it isn't even really their the kids picking what they want to do at that age. I think it's their parents. Either way, I think that that age of kids, I mean, what, we're all 22, 23 now, mm-hmm. and do we have jobs? Yes, but do we really know everything? No. no. And for, the, for those Definitely you know, not. For, for, those, for those kids going into high school at ages, what, 15 going in the mm-hmm. high school ninth grade mm-hmm. or something like that to, and going through to, puberty yeah and going through puberty to try to decide what they want to do I, I think it's bs mm-hmm. i really don't think it takes a rocket scientist to to think that up mm-hmm. but i mean those countries are definitely a lot different than us mm-hmm. um i mean you see all the time uh, i'm not picking on asians in this episode i promise but you know you see a lot of them and their parents want them to be this this specific occupation and if they're not that occupation then they're a failure i think that's wrong you're gonna see a lot of that this episode i'm more morally based and ethic ethics based um but just just kind of drawing a line here that i i think that age of a kid and i'm speaking as a 23 year old tomorrow that mm-hmm. i don't even know what i'm yeah, I don't even know what I'm doing. So, so 15 year olds don't know what they're doing either. And to to try and decide what occupation you want to have there, I think is wrong. Now, do I see a problem with at age 15 thinking you want to be a teacher, and then the rest of your life you want to be a teacher and you are a teacher? No, I just think that you shouldn't take that as 100% truth either. Yeah. So, Spike, let me ask you this. So kind of keeping with the automation perspective, but getting away. Ooh, what you drinking? Mango cart. (laughs) (laughs) Not what I expected. That's like like on a Saturday night drinking sparkling grape juice. (laughs) But uh, so looking at, we talked, uh, we had an episode about Disney films. We talked about a bunch of different Disney films. So looking at WALL-E, you guys remember the part in WALL-E where... Uh, you have all the different people coming in and they're just sitting in their chairs and they're watching computer monitors. They're swiping. You have episodes of Black Mirror that are depicting how once all jobs are automated and once everything's kind of done for us, what do we do in our lives? Does it become this altered reality? Do you think we get to a point in our lifetime where all jobs are automated and we don't do anything? Or do you think, I, I guess the better question is, what do you think? would happen if we got to that point like what would you want to do with your life because in my perspective life has no meaning if you if you don't have a purpose so i want to hear your thoughts on that spikes ask it one more time for me (laughs) in a world where all jobs can be automated yes yes what do we do i mean that's just that's just a tough question it is um in a world where everything is automated, I just, 
I think that just, comp- do I think science is bad? No. Do I think automation is bad? No. Do I think that at some point it completely takes away the human value of work? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's I, the end of accomplishment. And, and I and I don't know if we know yet where that line is. That's what I'm concerned about. Do I think automation is bad? No, not at all. Like I think it's good. I just think that humans are dumb. No matter how smart you are, we're <laughs> stupid. And I don't think we know where that line is. And usually, I mean, you can see in human history, we don't know where that line is until we go too far past it. Mm-hmm. So let me intervene here and then kind of ask, like, there's always room for improvement, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. Do you think we'll get to the point where machines will do that improvement in our lifetime or humans will still have to intervene and make that improvement? So I think that humans are what make technology in the first place. So it goes hand in hand and kind of, if you know what I mean. Correct. Humans so... kind of made technology. So in a sense, humans are responsible for the technology taking over that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, but I'm, yeah. what I'm referring to is, okay, so say Bargo writes a script for something mm-hmm. like he's doing currently. And that script gets used for, I don't know, three months, and someone notices that something's wrong with it. Someone has to go in and fix that co- or the coding for that script and improve it. Yep. Bargo still has the job to improve that script. Get what I'm get what I'm saying? I think so. Yeah. Um I just I'm think just, it's it, important to think about for future jobs. It is it's so hard to think about because we're not there yet. So like I, I'm trying to think of a of a world that doesn't exist yet, if that makes any sense. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, Use your imagination, Spike. Think see, of that's the I problem robot. is that is that my imagination <laughs> and what I'm thinking of is going to be different than literally everybody else's in the world. Which is why yeah. I love your opinion because you're such a human specimen. Shut your mouth. <laughs> <laughs> no, but the kind of wrapping up the whole automation thing, I think that if we ever got to like a Jetsons utopia where we really don't have to do anything, like I think in the Jetsons. They only worked like two days a week and it was essentially what Hayden did at the pill factory where you're just watching robots and watching, you're not what, like Hayden wasn't watching robots. He was watching the pills for quality assurance, but you're watching to make sure nothing goes wrong. And if it goes wrong, you go and fix it as opposed to actually doing any sort of manual labor, um, anything kind of like that blue collar esque, cause you're still going to have what you're not going to lose is management jobs, technology jobs. Yep. And pretty much all high-level executives that don't do shit anyway. So, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you're, you're going to have those three groups of people and then everyone else. Um, and it is it is interesting. We definitely aren't to that point yet to where we don't have to do anything. But kind of the last, the last thing I want to say, just kind of just thought-provoking to end the whole automation stream, uh, is the fact that if everything does, if, if we do have robots and things do get automated by these robots, that almost becomes less of a world where we can all not only contribute, but it's kind of like the whole Twitter thing, where if Twitter has become this crazy growing social media platform to where it is literally dictating elections, it is dictating how everyone lives their day-to-day lives, 
And at the end of the day, they didn't ask for the responsibility of curating all the content. But if they block one specific thing or one specific perspective, that changes a lot of people's own perspectives because the reach is so different. Like if they crush conservative views, people are going to be more left-leaning and you're going to have more radical conservatives. So in, in the world of automation, if you have one specific person like a Tesla that has all these robots and all these uh, cars, they essentially have this monopoly of information and they decide what goes on. And that's not a good world. I think a good world is a lot of different people contributing for the good, whether it's in automation to where we're moving to like a more technological world or we're in the Flintstones in this prehistoric where we're just pushing around rocks and buggies and calling it a day and drawing on the walls. You're right. <laughs> so, so we want to move on. Let's move on. Let's get to, let's get to the, what the hell was that sheep? Dolly, the sheep was that cloning? That was like, I, I, that was like middle school, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Where they made it like they, I'm pretty sure it's alive, right? I, I think so. I don't know if it's still alive, but because that was yeah. crazy. I was on my PSSAs. How long ago was that? Was that in high school? I thought it was school? middle school, but I know you Someone can't do Google a Google that. search, no, but I'll do it. <laughs> <laughs> no, and it's clanky keys. Uh, Dolly Sheep. Typical gamer. So uh, just to uh, get us started, so like, no, what do you like know about cloning? And what do you, uh, when, when someone says cloning, what do you think about? And what do you, what first comes to mind? I mean, obviously, the first thing that comes to mind is something like Dolly the Sheep. You you know, it'd be awesome, you know, pull DNA from a uh, hair of a woolly mammoth and cool, we have a woolly mammoth in a zoo now. I mean, but in reality, I don't think that's realistic. I kind of see cloning more as cloning of organs yeah. and using that for uh, surgeries and things of that sort. Mm -hmm. so a, a few things on dolly the sheep dolly the sheep was born in 1996 uh wow, and she was born ago. yeah it was it was a while back uh it died in 2003 so it, well, it's not the type of cloning that we're necessarily thinking of like technologically where you're taking a human putting a human in a machine and then it becomes a clone so it was taken as like a part of mammary gland i don't know if anyone knows what that is uh, and it was named after Dolly Parton, and it had six kids, Bonnie, Sally, Rosie, Lucy, Darcy, and Cotton, all of which are dead. Rest in peace. Yeah, rip. But it, it seemed to have worked as an experiment. I don't know all that much about it. I don't yeah, know I, about I, it. I, <laughs> Any dollar sheep experts. Man. So, yeah, I, I don't know anything about that. Uh, when I think of cloning, though, I think of like, uh, I, I get really scared of people being cloned eventually. Mm -hmm. And I, I think about like, what if in some weird way, someone got a DNA sample of me and somewhere in Area 51, they're in a basement and I, there's a second Hayden just because they took a DNA, like a, they walked by me on the street and sw swabbed me and had a DNA sample. Or that type of stuff creeps me out. Or you send in your DNA willingly to someone like 23andMe, uh, and, and there's all this disclosure stuff. Like that's what freaks me out about those type of. I didn't even like, think about that. 
Mm-hmm. Because like twenty three and me is essentially like seeing your chromosomes, right? And ancestry. There's like the an- that's not the ancestry one, right? Mm, I think so. Yeah, twenty. Well, I think ancestry has their own, and then twenty three and me has one. Because I know you can do one to see like what your ethnicity is, and you can do like obviously DNA tests. But you're willingly sending your data to them. And I believe in terms and conditions, it's it's along the lines of Google where they say, we're not going to do anything with it, but they still have it on file. And there's always been this conspiracy that, I don't want to get more into conspiracies, but I believe Google owns 23andMe or it owns Ancestry. It owns one of those and it bought them and then started pushing a lot of like uh, R&D into them and a lot of marketing and advertising. To where everyone wants to see, like, oh, I'm I'm point oh oh one percent Indian. Look at me, I'm I'm an Indian now. Like people Sound want, like <laughs> Warren. people want, yeah, exactly. People uh, want to see just exactly a, just what a little, is. just a little comedic relief there. Uh, <laughs> Keemstar, uh, oh, we God. talked about him in a few episodes ago. He like ever since he did twenty three and Me, he got back that he was like zero point two percent African. So he automatically says that that makes him inherently not able to be racist. <laughs> <laughs> That's how that works. He, yep. he uses that all the time. And I, it's ridiculous. I saw an article today that there was a Hispanic white supremacist that got arrested in Florida. Whoa. A Hispanic white supremacist. That, that's, well, that's, that's not. Yeah, there was like black KKK members, weren't there? Like, and I'm yeah. not talking about like the, the black Klansmen, like the actual story about that, but mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure there was like actual black people that were part of the KKK. What would make you racist against what you are or against, you know what I mean? Like, I don't, I don't really understand that. Stupid. But, I don't know. Yeah. Really dumb. But yeah, <laughs> Some serious self-loathing. <laughs> yeah. But, but essentially like the, they're saying that Google is collecting all this data to wherever some sort of law gets passed, they can essentially just clone everyone or use that in a way to not only link them back to time travel, but to progress your life and immortality and all those different things that we all would love to, I mean, do you want to really live together? All these different pressing questions or live forever. Crazy. I mean, yeah, big data is definitely a huge topic. Oh yeah. Oh, absolutely. Big data. I didn't even think about big data. Mm-hmm. They have Man. everything on file. Yeah. That's crazy to even mm-hmm. think about. It's, it's mm-hmm. just so like, unfathom i don't even know how to pronounce that word <laughs> unfathomable Unfathomable. yeah yeah that, <laughs> that uh there's just so much information out there and in, in little files that might even get lost in time eventually but mm-hmm. if you looked at that uh that girl that found the picture of the black hole how much like data and hard drive she had yeah. like i don't know if you saw a picture of like the the one with the books and then the one with the hard drives Mm-hmm. that's that's pretty crazy to me oh, um yeah. just a little bit of cloning news for you guys Ooh. so uh, a forty-two thousand year old horse uh that was entombed in ice actually has liquid blood still in its veins and they're using that blood to clone the horse whoa i don't know how you guys feel about that spike I like that input there? I, yeah. I honestly don't know how i feel about that to be honest with you like that's just I don't. I honestly don't know. I know that's a that's a sucky answer, but because because they're they're trying to, but they haven't done it yet, right? No, no. It's actually like in like a process right now where 
these scientists are just together discussing and writing, like doing a lot of research behind it and what it could do. Like, th- like, you know, it, it might bring up some new diseases if like the blood is, yeah. you know, you know what yeah, I mean? I mean it's, 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 it's a, a lot of research. 47,000 years old. Like I have no idea what was alive back then. So mm-hmm. I just, and, and I'll, I'm not commenting a lot right now because all of this episode is really falling on one idea for me. And that was what my, what my fear is for the future. If we keep going in this direction and I want to save it for when we get into our fears of the future and the fears of what technology Mm -hmm. will bring. So I'll kind of let one of you guys handle this one. Okay. Uh, Do you guys want to proceed into our fears and talk about that? That's fine with me. I mean, I don't really Hold have on. a much Quick question about this horse. Okay. All right. I'm, I'm ready. <laughs> How is their blood still in its veins 42 I, years later? Preserved it well? I'm not sure. It was like, it was, it was so deeply enclosed in ice that like, Oh, so it was apparently frozen. it, yeah, when it was, it was okay. frozen over, but it was just so cold that when it thawed out, there was still liquid blood. That's interesting. Which is pretty <laughs> crazy. Yeah, that's <laughs> what what else is in the ice caps? Like, man. Oh man, they, this horse does not. Like, how do they? How do they know it's forty two thousand years old? I don't know. I'm guessing like carbon dating. Yeah, carbon dating. I thought that was only with trees. <laughs> you can't well, count the were, rings on a horse. Well, they were there. <laughs> count the rings. They saw the horse. The horse body that they found. The I'm scientists. Pretty sure the. I'm pretty sure the horse had writing that. You know, it's said right by its deathbed, forty-two thousand years old. Yeah, <laughs> it had a tombstone. That's what I was gonna say. Is that these scientists that are that are testing out how old it was? The they were alive forty-two thousand years ago, so that's how they know. <laughs> yeah, time travelers, huh? Yeah, yeah they, because they're just keep they just keep cloning themselves. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Man. So, some more interesting news. Just to keep going with it, uh, they scientists had some mammoth DNA. So, you know, mammoths with the big tusks the the ice age elephants pretty much you know so they had some mammoth dna and it was like twenty eight thousand years old they said but it actually woke up for a short time in an experiment and uh they actually think that it's now impossible to clone an elephant or a mammoth so wait wait, wait, wait. i'm a little confused so the 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 mammoth woke up no, the the DNA. Oh, so like oh, I was gonna say like the, the cell, yeah. the cell parts, the cell parts of the mammoth itself woke up. Like, <laughs> I was like, how is this not major news? So what? What's interesting about it is they put the DNA of the mammoth into a mouse egg. So that's what's really crazy is that they're like mixing mammoths with mouse, mouse like oh mice. My God. Like <laughs> that'd be an interesting imagine? maybe. Can you imagine if you put human DNA in a in a mouse and it worked like that? And you just have like Spike running around and like as a mouse. <laughs> what would be wrong with that? Or vice versa? Like yeah. Spike's kid has a mouse. Like he looks like a mouse and he has a tail and everything. That's where keep, that's where cloning I just keep gets. Thinking of spider or spider Spike. <laughs> yeah. yeah, the Simpsons man. All eight of my legs. Oh my gosh! Yeah, that would be that would be wild. Yeah, I hope I hope we never get to that point. Yeah, that that's, would be that's terrifying. not nature. That's that's yeah. We're way, we're oh man, I feel like there's a video game like that was like that though. Skyrim wasn't it where you could have like subhuman, like rat humans or like oh, <laughs> I'm yeah. not sure. Spider Spike does whatever a spider spike does. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh my god. 
Yeah, no thanks. I'll, pa- I'll pass. Hard pass on cloning. Oh. Hard pass. So, so wait, what do you guys think about cloning individual organs for, so basically eliminating, eliminating organ donors? Okay. Because that's, that's currently like a thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, work in progress. Mm-hmm. Well, aren't they also like 3D printing organs Correct. and stuff? Yes, like they are. Stuff? That's mm-hmm. crazy to me. That's even crazy. 3D printing with stem cells. That's, that's awesome. wild. So the, I don't know if you guys knew this or not, but way back in the day, so you know how on your license you have, you're either an organ owner or you're not. So way back yeah. in the day, let's say there was a crazy mass event where like, I don't, not crazy enough that it would make the news where it's like four people died and four people are, are really horribly injured in this accident. The, the two people that they think they used now, the way they do it now, I think is they, they treat in terms of, uh, who comes in when. If they're all coming in at the same time, it's the people that have the most pressing needs and they think they can they can survive. Alive, survive, right. But how they used to do it, and there's a lot of evidence and, and stuff that comes back to this, is if there were people that were all at the same capacity, they would treat the people that weren't organ donors first because they knew that the people that were organ donors, those organs would be – those healthy organs would be going to people in need. So that's mm-hmm. why there were a lot of – like that was a real thing, which blows my mind because we're taught – that you want to be an organ donor. You want to help people. If you're going to die, you might as well, there's no sense in burying you. Like I'm an organ donor. There's no sense in being buried with things that could work in other people. But yeah, the the whole idea of either 3d printing is, is crazy for, I guess not even like organs, but specific things like even looking at prosthetics and things that would almost cooperate with the human body. That is Mm freaking outstanding that we're do you do you think that we could oh sorry do you think we could clone like arms so like let's say we clone an arm and then put it on a like a a a vet veteran so uh, an iraqi war veteran that lost his arm we clone his dna to create him an arm and then do you think it's possible to surgically and make it work and reconnect the nerves and i don't know so real quick before we answer that question that's where and I know this episode is more of me just saying I don't I don't really know because none <laughs> of us really know. You know what I mean? It's just yeah. hypothetical. And so this is my this is where I am struggling with is that if you ask me, am I for cloning whole organisms, whole animals, whole humans? No. But am I for helping people out and you know, helping them with a liver transplant or another arm? Yeah, I am. So it's like, I, I'm, that's why I'm struggling is because I don't know where I want to draw the line. That's the human aspect of my mind is like, I want to help people. But at the same time, I don't think it's right to, to, to clone whole organisms. So you, that's you where I'm spider struggling. spikes walking. Around. I think now I think that would be cool, but that's the only type <laughs> of spikes that I want. Mm-hmm. I don't know yeah. where you guys stand with that, but it's like, that's, that's where I'm struggling more morally and ethically. It's like, do I want to help people? Yeah, but do do I think it's right to to clone whole whole organisms and completely mm-hmm. just play God? No, I don't. Yeah, that's like the the whole moral issue of it is like whether you're religious or not. Do you, like the idea of uh, what's meant to be is meant to be. Yeah, and and, and it goes past. I mean, yeah, exactly what you just said. I don't even think it has to do with religion. I think everybody would agree that at some there is a line of 
you playing higher than what we're capable of. Mm-hmm. And well, if there's, there's an order to everything. And yeah, the, I mean, that I mean? gets into like genetic modification, too. Yeah. Yeah. And it also gets into things that have been around for a while, like machines that can just keep your grandparents alive. And that yeah. comes down to ethics. Do you, do they want to be on this when they're not able to actually do anything? Yeah. Like they're literally I, a potato hooked to a machine, right? That's yeah. crazy to think that like you have like a grandparent or somebody that's laying in in hospice, and it's like a switch of a turn a switch off, and they're done. They're gone mm-hmm. forever. Right. That's just it's kind of the sad side of things with like. Sure, technology keeping them alive is nice, but if they're really not capable of doing anything, is there a point to even keeping them around? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's kind of sad. So definitely sad. Circling back to uh, organ donors, mm-hmm. um, I actually saw this—I don't know—probably a week or so ago. Did you guys know that organ donors are a recipient of an organ from a donor? is two to three times more likely to uh, end up getting cancer no, I did not than know. the average person of their age and sex. Now, is that because is that because like the blood flow then is different through that organ? So like obviously it would be th- from the same blood type, but same blood type, but I think it's just like the path? genetic makeup. Nope. Or something that you know the cells don't completely vibe together and yeah ends up causing mutated cells wow that's actually interesting kind of sad in a way yeah but i mean it makes sense if you, it does if you if you dig to the root of it you're literally taking something from somebody else's body and putting it into someone else's body and we're all we all learn from a, a young age that everybody is made differently in a way, you know, it's kind of like fingerprints, you know, nobody's fingerprints mm-hmm. is the same. Nope. Nobody is the same. So while it's sad, it, it does kind of make sense at the root of it. Oh You're yeah. Putting somebody else's part in somebody else. And your body will actually try to shut that out at first. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah that That's what I had heard is that there's a high likelihood, whether you're related to the person, if it's, if it's a high quality, like they have a different, like a scale of, whether or not an organ is, is a perfect match. And they'll push that as far as they can because uh, organ donation lists are crazy long. So if they can have something that is kind of a fit and that can't go to anyone else, they'll they'll try it. And the body's likely to reject that at first. And if it doesn't catch into that, they have to take it out and then you're back on the list. I didn't yep. realize, I my mind doesn't draw the correlation though with cancer. I don't know how how and why that would be a thing. Although we don't know that much about cancer, right? No, we don't really know how it starts or anything really that much. Right. So, I mean, it's really whatever. Yeah, you could put whatever disease you want in front of there. I think it just all stems from you putting in something that doesn't. I'm not saying it doesn't belong in there, but technically, that's kind of right. Mm Mm-hmm. Like Krisha, for example, she can't be an organ donor for that simple fact because she has cancer. Like because her cells in her bloodstream carry that cancer gene. Mm-hmm. Wow, Christian. By the way, for everybody who doesn't know, is Noah's girlfriend. By the way, just mm-hmm. and one of our favorite viewers. Yes, mm-hmm. amen, amen to that. <laughs> and Bexley's mom. 
Bexley. Definitely Bexley's mom. <laughs> but yeah, that that kind of stuff absolutely blows my mind. And I mean, we talk about all the money that gets pumped into that kind of research and all the talented people that are behind that and how little headway we've actually made in the grand scheme of things in terms of just diseases and how we're treating them. Oh, yeah. That also blows my mind. We're progressing. We really haven't – it's sort of like exploring the ocean. We haven't really put our feet in yet, like Mm -hmm. the whole way. Mm -hmm. There's just so much about science. It's so vast. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So you want to transition into our own fears? Sure. So I I guess I'll start. Uh, So my biggest fear right now, and it's in the discussion within the science community, is being able to – uh, mute, mutate genes and change genes like before a baby is fully grown so that parents, if they want a superstar athlete son that's a super genius, they they can like genetically uh, edit like almost like a computer program, program this kid to be this uh, superstar athlete. And I think that would just absolutely change the whole scheme of the world if that would ever become possible. And I think it, it gets dangerous to where it, if we're all the same, like every, everyone would eventually be the same kind of person. You know what I mean? Or or worse, yeah, because, we'd all because, be crazy different. Because when everybody – I mean everybody's going to have the same idea. Every parent's going to have the same idea. I want my kid to be a super athlete. I want my kid to be a super genius. I want my kid to be good at this, good at that. Everybody's going to have the same idea. So in a way, you're going to have the same thing but just – but then everybody's going to be competing for this. You know what I mean? Like it's almost going to be the same as now because some people are competing for the same thing, but then it's going to be on a different level of everybody competing now, if you know what I mean. Mm -hmm. And we actually had this, I took a class senior year that was on genomics and ethics in our society and they call them designer babies. And we were talking about like with, with CRISPR and all these different techniques with modifying DNA, they're going to come in 20 to 30 years. Like that's going to be a thing in our lifetime to where, to some degree, not necessarily. I, I mean, I imagine if you'd be able to change one individual thing, there'd be no monetary value that would say you can't change everything. But they've been able to look at a lot of different genes like hair color, eye color. And I think I think they have been able to look at like intelligence, some sort of intelligence and completely dictate what that would be based on the genes of the parents. As far as I know, I don't think you can you and me could get could have a kid Hayden and this guy is going to be like blonde hair. And like, I, I don't think mm-hmm. it works like yeah, that. I don't think we can have a kid actually. Uh, I don't know <laughs> yeah, about that. I'm going to go biologically. You can't have a kid, but I don't know. I, I, I might, you can try. Yeah. yeah that, that's I'm a different debate. Bigot, though. Keep I know Hayden's <laughs> eggs are pretty fertile, so they are. <laughs> I, I do have some fertile yolk. If you know what I mean, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I Thanks mean, for I, that I think, image Hayden. Yeah. Ew. <laughs> <laughs> I pictured you sitting on a big egg, <laughs> uh, and it's cracking. <laughs> no, but yeah, that that kind of thing. I'm very, I'm very against that. Do you think at that point that it would almost be to a certain degree like you're creating a character? <laughs> like, yeah. can you picture you're no, you're in the know. operating room and your wife's like not about to have a kid? I guess it would be <laughs> she has a controller. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, pretty early in the process, but you're essentially you're you're you have something on the screen where you can see exactly what this kid's gonna look like, and that and that's what it I is. I think it would be like Sims. You yeah, go, 
but it, it, it completely takes away from the human aspect of things. It completely takes away, and this isn't like a, a pro-life, pro-choice thing when I say mm-hmm. this, but it completely, it completely changes the value of life in that all throughout history, people have just been having babies and just not only accepting what comes out of the mother, and now if this does come true, we're not even valuing human life anymore. We're just making it what we want, and we're absolutely playing God, and that's just wrong, whether you're so, religious or not. Can I uh, intervene here and kind of give a positive note to this? Yes. <laughs> okay, so um, as I previously stated, my girlfriend, Krisha, has cancer. So in oh. order for us to have children, we have to do IVF. And so basically IVF is where you basically it's like artificial insemination, right? Mm -hmm. So we have to do this because the cancer gene that she has gives our children a 50% chance of contracting that gene or not. So it's either 50, 50, they'll have cancer or they won't. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, the good side of this is we can go through the IVF process. They can test her eggs and say she produces 10 eggs, they can test all 10 of them, pick out the five that are good, and then artificially inseminate those eggs, and then she can have babies that will be cancer-free. That's crazy. Mm -hmm. Now, here's the thing about that, though. So let's say – I'm guessing you would have to like – sign a bunch of waivers and stuff because oh yeah let's say that super expensive that baby yeah let's say that baby then eventually does go on and develop cancer like imagine the lawsuits that would happen if they didn't have like waivers that could say okay so we can't guarantee that definitely you know but but it's more likely i guess that's but you're not you're not so let me get this straight so you would be able to you would be able to what? You would be able to... You're not modifying. You're just picking the good eggs, if that makes sense. They, okay. They do I'm it. okay they with do that because like you're not... You're not right? Yeah, you're... That's that's. I, I I would have no problem with that because you're not you're not just sitting there picking what your child is good at, picking what your child looks like, picking what your... You know what I mean? I would be fine with that. I don't see any problem with that. You want your child to... My, my, my root is... No. My root How is, about... My root is valuing human life, and and if if that's the case, where you, you want your kid to have the best life it can possibly have without determining its future, you know, physical looks and stuff like that, then fine. Yeah, absolutely, I'm for that. So the biggest debate about like this genetic uh, editing is like kids with Down syndrome and autism, like parents that find out like, oh, our baby's gonna have autism or down syndrome and then being able to change that and the reason why it's so uh up for debate is because so many parents today have kids with down syndrome and autism that and there are there are people i don't know if you saw that video of the kid that had down syndrome that went and talked in front of congress about aborting uh, down syndrome babies Mm -hmm. which is like are we taking away it's almost that right to live uh argument are we taking away their right to live the way they were meant to be? Or you know what I'm saying, guys? So I'll, I, I'll say this first so that you guys can keep talking. I honestly don't have an answer for this because it's it's such a it, – that is a tough question. 
Mm-hmm. So I don't know how to answer that. I'm not really going to answer this, but I think part of the whole reason Down syndrome is so prevalent anymore is because of basically societal norms. We're what, 22, 23? Mm-hmm. We don't have kids yet. Nope. But I mean, our parents' generation, they were probably already had a kid and working and, you know, they didn't go through college as often as we did. And as your age increases, your chance for having a child with Down syndrome drastically increases. So, like, if you look at, if you just Google a chart real quick and, like, say, Down syndrome age chart, I bet you something will come up and it'll show you after the age of 30, the risk goes way up compared to what it was in your 20s. Wow. Because people are having kids later because we're we're starting our lives later than our parents were. Mm. And the difference between 0.5 and 1 is huge. Exactly. Right. Just to put that in perspective. Because at the end, like having a kid at 45, the chart I'm looking at is 3.5%. But the difference between 3.5% and 0.01 is significant. Very significant. Yeah. Yeah. So do you think uh, as as like our generation and future generations continue to push back becoming parents, like do you think biologically we will like evolutionize to, you know what I'm saying? Like do you think our our biological structure will adjust to where we'll be able to have safer children, like a safer way to have children at a later age, like 45 to 58 years? You know what I'm saying? I'm I'm not a real scientific person, but – I think if it consistently happens, like, yeah, evolution will eventually work its course, but that's over the course of thousands of years. Not, it's not yeah. going to be like yeah, one or two right generations. Now. Right. Hmm. Cool. Yeah, I mean, in terms of the whole down syndrome discussion, that's, that's a really hard thing to answer. And it definitely becomes more of your perspective politically, as opposed to at what, what stage would you end it? If any, uh, although you do look at, people specifically parents that have children with down syndrome and not necessarily that it's a bad thing but the amount of time and money that they have to spend because it becomes their job and if someone could prevent that they probably would i just don't think it wouldn't be something you do along the road but i also don't think that you would if you had the choice many people would choose the latter Right. So I guess it really comes down to the discussion of how natural, if you want to go with the mentality that whatever happens is what was meant to be, then, and then, then you, you have that risk. Otherwise, if something's preventable, I know it's kind of a different discussion, but it kind of stems the same way. You can choose to not get vaccines and you can choose to have the option that this percentage of contracting some disease and you've had this this crazy amount of people that are anti-vax that their kids are contracting all these diseases and you're seeing the charts spike up for for the first time in decades for, for people contracting these certain diseases by choice and i know that choice is such a, a broad stem but you're essentially choosing quality of life for you and your children i think that's that's a really hard a hard thing to say yes or no to but that's definitely one of the 
one of the main one of the main uh, I guess rationale behind that. I mean, so. I don't want to speak for everyone, but I, me personally, if I had the option to have a child with or without Down's, Down syndrome, a hundred percent of the time I'm going to pick not oh, have yeah. Down syndrome. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, it's a lot of suffering and like problems you have to deal with unfortunately mm-hmm. yeah it's a tough subject it is it is sure. i i don't i know i know i all all episode i'm just like i don't know but i i, I just don't no that, that's it's a fair one <laughs> yeah that's that's really because tough. this is all not real yet mm-hmm. you know it's getting there but it's not so absolutely if I if a doctor came up to me and said, "Hey, you have the option of picking a kid without Down syndrome or a kid that's going to turn out to be normal uh, mentally," then absolutely, I'm going to I'm going to choose the the mentally stable one. Mm-hmm. But it's I don't even know how to explain it. Cause it's such a tough question because you're I I can't even go further. But I I don't even know. Do you guys think this will happen in our lifetime? Um, I think if it does. I think if it does happen, it's later in our lifetime. I, I like, would agree with that. I'm, th- like, I'm thinking like 50s, 60s. Yeah. But aren't we already doing that, though? I thought there was already to, preventative. To, a, to, to an, an extent. extent. To an extent, yeah. yeah. But I not, think we're talking more about the, like a sure the, thing. The, yeah, the designer baby type thing. Oh, like, yeah. Yeah, I give that 20, 30 years. So probably after we have our kids. Dependent. I was thinking, yeah, I was thinking later of our lives, like almost beginning grandparent age. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you guys know it's crazy not to stray too far from anything. But before we get into Spike's big bang about his fear, oh boy, it's crazy to me that I mean, all through school and all through our entire lives, we talk about how far we've come in such a short amount of time since the Declaration of Independence, since we aborted or not aborted, <laughs> we boarded, the, <laughs> we aborted the May, we boarded the damn mayflower right amen uh that was only three or four people ago so if you think about it if you have if you have the average age of people are living to be 75 80 90 1776 really isn't that long ago no to where if you actually look at like ancestry you can pretty quickly get way past that time so really in the 2000s, since the internet bubble hit, technology, automation, medicine, everything has really, it, it's incredible what we're doing as a society in such a short amount of time. So I feel like, yeah, I think designer babies and stuff will come, but I don't think they're as far away as we think. I, I feel like they say 20, 30 years. I, I, I'm one of those skeptics where I feel like there's always people that have an answer to something, but it's whether or not that our world and our society is ready for it. Yes. See, I, I think it will happen before 20 or 30 years, mm-hmm. but it'll be readily available to society at that time period. Yeah. Right. So I'm yeah, a there's going to be a lot of pushback. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. I'm a skeptic in terms of, I'm not, I'm not the type of skeptic that says we have a, cause there are people that do this to where we have a cure for cancer we have a way for people to not be diabetic. We have all these different things and the government's holding that back for population control. I don't think that's the case, <laughs> but I, I also think that there's a lot of technology 
that they know as a society we're not ready for. So they hold it back 5, 10, 15 years until they think we're ready. Because in the 90s, if you said, hey, we're going to have self-driving cars, 95% of people would be so against it, I'd be willing to bet. Isn't that disturbing, to, to know that people we elect and people that are hired by the people we elect have the power to decide whether or not like they release certain things. Yeah, there's way I think there's way too much power there. But that being said, I wouldn't want to have I wouldn't want that decision. <laughs> you know what I mean? I, I wouldn't want that power. That's why I give the presidents and I mean, I guess in the grand scheme of things, it's not really the presidents making the decision, but their council and, and everyone in that realm, I give them a lot of credit because I would never want that type of pressure. I have enough pressure deciding if my script's going to run today or tomorrow that's going to impact 20 people, let alone the entire United States. Very. The, before yeah. we jump to spikes, on the topic of uh, how fast technology has advanced, what I think is crazy to think about, the, I don't know, kids probably four or five years younger than us never experienced a flip phone. Yeah. That's weird. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, that's, that, that's never had absurd. to use T9 word. They never, well, even us, like we never had, if you guys remember, I don't know where you, where your households were, but for me to be on the internet, my mom had to be off the phone. Yep. And a lot of us yeah. didn't have to experience, uh, like the, the old dial, like, is it rotisserie phones or the ra- rotary yeah, the phones? Dial-up phones. Yeah. yeah, rotisserie. <laughs> I love those rotisserie phones just around the campfire. It's so good. <laughs> but you you put that kind of technology in front of people, like I forget. I think it's the Fine Brothers that have a YouTube series where they just show kids old technology, and they gave them a Game Boy, and there were twenty, thirty people of the hundred that couldn't even figure out how to turn it on. Wow. Because they're just so used to everything being touchscreen, trying to like double tap it. There's a lot of a lot of things that we don't really think about in terms of how much the internet is really influencing the, this Man. youth generation. Yeah, like, I, I was watching one scary. of those episodes, and I saw the one where you're talking about they gave him a Game Boy or something like that, mm-hmm. and the one kid was like. One kid was like, "Oh, this is so boring," and it like hit my heart. I was like, "I was like, how could you say such a thing?" Yeah, like, how dare he? Like, don't, we don't get it. We just don't get it. And we're like, it's weird to think that there's such a generational gap there that we experienced both worlds, and we're, we were kind of lucky enough to experience the old, and, and we got to grow up with the new. Mm-hmm. But I feel like every generation says that. But in 20, 30 years, we're going to be the old men that are so against everything that's new. Whether you're into technology or not, like when I'm in my 50s, I'm going to be the crankiest person ever because I don't really care for – so much easier back in 2019. (laughs) Because we joke about like old people being like that, but I'm probably going to be an uptight asshole. It happens to all of them. Yeah, exactly. Like the older guys that I work with, they're they're like – they acknowledge that and mm-hmm. kind of, you know, I'm glad that they acknowledge that, but at the same time, they still don't conform to the newer ways. So, <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's just, they don't, they don't want change. They don't like change. Yep. Everyone, a lot of guys that I work with didn't really have a 
they had some sort of a college background, but it was more so they went to college for like business or something. And then they got into industry and then they started learning to code. And they're so anti-college because two they years in industry, because partially that, but two years of industry is way heavier than a four or five year like degree, right? Being in school because you just, you're in that environment for eight hours a day mm -hmm. and you're working directly with their tools like you can't expect the college kid you could have the best college kid in the world come to your company with working exactly with the type of technical like the coding environment the same tools everything and they're still going to be behind not even senior developers someone that's been there one or two years that might be mediocre just because of the adjustment and the change and, and just how every company does something different. So I don't so, think they really see the value in, in college. Just to kind of add on to that, like uh, even though marketing isn't really, I mean, marketing is like technological and like it's advancing for sure. Yeah, it's, a, it's starting to advance more and more. But whenever I was at my first internship in college, it was at an engineering firm and our sales and marketing director ended up being, transferred to a different department and he became like a project manager or something which was like a big shock to the marketing department because he was really modern and he was he was older he was like in his 40s so but he was still ha he was with the times you know what i mean mm -hmm. um but then they brought in this consultant this marketing consultant and they made him the corporate communications uh, director and he is like this old fart that's like 75 years old and I remember whenever he came in for the first time and I met him and I was like, this guy is in charge of making our company look up to standard. Like, <laughs> like it just doesn't, didn't make any sense to me of like, okay, maybe he, this guy's a little past his time. Like, mm -hmm. and, but the problem is like all the people in these leadership positions are older people and mm -hmm. it's, they're going to hire people that they trust the most, which are people like them. Right. And I'm sure when we're when we're we're in the, those uh, leadership positions, we'll we'll choose people that relate most to us. But I hope that if I ever become a, like a marketing director or CEO, man, that I'm I don't hire a 75 year old marketing director. It's just oh my, it, it's just the same thing. Like the whole grandfathering system. It's mm. you know, and it's that a, that goes back to the whole executives don't do shit model, where you're hiring someone, you could have your your person who's over all of the developers who has no developing experience it's in their 60s but all they're really doing in their day-to-day -day is facilitating and being like the face to management and they know how to talk to management over 20 years in industry so i i guess at the end of the day that's that's not really what they're looking for even though as like a introductory analyst or developer or anything you're like wow this guy's telling me what to do and he doesn't know anything what I'm doing. Yeah. So it's just really understanding it, communicating it. Like I wouldn't be shocked if that old dude was like, Hayden, get us on the Facebook. <laughs> like, yeah. I mean, <laughs> when, whenever he came in, so I was, I was like a corporate communications intern and I was a lot of internal communication more than external, mm. but I had another intern named Dan that was across from me and he was more in charge of like writing post blog posts up and writing stuff like that. And, it, some of his ideas were like, like we would say the idea and you could tell he would be like, Oh yeah, that's a good idea. But he didn't really know what we were talking about. Mm -hmm. Like we came up with like the Monday morning minute where our CEO would, that was part of my communications plan where our CEO would go on the T on like release a video 
giving a minute breakdown of how the company is doing every Monday mm-hmm. and plans or whatever for the future. And he was like, Oh yeah, that's a good idea. And then he's like, how do we execute that? And it's like, he, he's asking me how to execute that right. rather than, you know, his position as an executive is to go to the board and say, here's what we need to implement. Cause he needs to understand what you are going to do so he can tell them. And then he seems like the smart guy, right? But exactly. they're only as good as their team. Right. Exactly. All right, Spike. Let, let's get you into this. I want to hear your your fear. Big bang. My, my fear, huh? Yeah. Um. It, again, it falls into the moral and ethics of all this. My fear is a world where everything is in man's design and not the universe. And I use universe as a word to whatever religion, whatever non-religion you are whatever you think life comes from that's that's why i say universe and i fear a world where humans are in charge of everything and humans are in charge of the design of everything i think that's extremely dangerous i don't like the idea of it i don't think we're close to that but thinking about us being in charge of everything freaks me the hell out so how is that any different than what's happening now? What do you mean? Humans being in charge of everything. I mean in life's aspect. Oh, so being able to control how long you live, like all those different... Yes, not not in charge of your job and what you do on a day-to-day basis, but in charge of what people look like, what people do, what just... that That completely just takes away from what life is in general. Life is about choices, and if you make people in charge of what your choices are before you even have a chance to decide what your choice is, that's dangerous. Hmm. That's interesting. So I see where you're coming from. I would argue we're not really far from that, though. I so, would agree. I don't. I don't I, think I, we're... I, 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 I let me let me clarify. Not close to that in the sense that it's like close, as in like 20 to 30 years of of that close as in maybe history because obviously the earth is is very very old so a lot of time in our years isn't a lot of time in earth years if you know what i mean yeah mm-hmm. well the the thing is uh there's like just to not to make you feel like not to like shoot you down but i'm saying our existence has changed the world you know what I mean? Like, like we, we humans are already the, I don't know if we can say we're at the top of the food chain, but we are. Our, oh, our, we are. Our, yeah. yeah. Our decision is like our decisions, whether it's building new buildings or tearing down trees or what, like not to go all green, <laughs> green party on you, but like, it's just like our decisions in the world are what impact like what's around us and the yes. nature of everything. So I, technically, you could argue that we already the world is already in our our design. You know what I mean? I'm talking about before life even really begins. Okay, so you're saying so you're talking like, genetics? Yes, that's where you're deciding mm-hmm. the future for people who aren't even born yet. Right. That the yeah okay. Hmm. No, I think your fear there in the notes that's pretty good place to jump to. I mean, this also kind of goes to where 
uh, Spike's fear is at and also back to cloning a little bit is basically immortality and its impacts because eventually once we get so good at learning genetic makeup and bioengineering that people are going to live a lot longer than they do now and just the negative impacts uh positive and negative impacts of that and how it'll affect society as a whole man i i couldn't want to i don't think i'd want to live forever you know what i mean I definitely like I wouldn't. Yeah, I I want to die. <laughs> but but by, by I immortality, I, I really mean basically what average death age. I don't even know what it is. It's probably around seventy or eighty at this point, but is yeah, steadily like increasing. 75. So as that number goes up, you know, I look at my grandparents who are in their mid eighties, and I'm, man, I can't see myself living to like a hundred years old. That would just kind of be, I don't know. I don't see it that being that fun. <laughs> Sounds terrible, but too much. you can play bingo. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I bingo for 30 years. <laughs> yeah. So, so I guess the question is when you talk about immortality, you're, you're assuming that over time we can't preserve our bodies or our minds. Like even you could live forever, but you're going to be what you envision like a 100 year old person would be in their life would be because I would totally be all about immortality if you could stay and catch yes. yourself at a certain age so let's exactly. say we hit 50 where you're in like you hit that point where uh you're getting wise when you're older and then you get that like where you start to like you hit the peak and then you start to go down where you start to forget things and you're like just with the older age like you'd want to be at the top of that peak and ideally everyone stays at that peak because what i if, if someone said hey kyle we're gonna make you immortal but no one else around you is going to be immortal. I wouldn't want that. I would want everyone to be around. I couldn't be a 50 year old guy that in 20, 2300, I'm still at Jimmy D's and Southside dancing with freaking people that are 200 years younger than me. Right. Okay. But <laughs> right. So we'll think about this. Say everyone on planet earth right now, you know, you're 23 and or 22, right? Mm -hmm. Yep. <laughs> And today you become immortal. How does that affect society going forward? Like how, just how many people? No, no, no. All of society. That's what I'm saying. Like if all of society has the option to take this magic pill that doesn't allow for aging and your body doesn't degenerate, but your mm -hmm. mind can continue growing and like, how does that affect, like, our what our population is like now and how we'll mm. cope with that, how we'll cope with, you know, Ooh, the geez. elderly? Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Hmm. Could you imagine in a world where, like, people would still die, but you don't die of old age? How yeah, overpopulated exactly. we would become? Right. Exactly. Like, you don't die mm. from heart disease mm -hmm. because, you know. But if you're immortal, then you can start going underwater and living. <laughs> Like that's what's crazy. Yeah, think about that. Think about that. Like, said, think about how much. I shouldn't have said immortality, but but still, like, just just think. Like, if you can't die, you can live in the water. I'm just gonna keep jumping off a cliff. You know that cliff in <laughs> Afghan where you always snipe <laughs> off of. I'm just yeah. Gonna, there you go. Yeah, but okay. Assuming that it's not immortality to where, assuming it's just anti-aging. Yeah, that's a better term. I just didn't couldn't think of the term. <laughs> you don't want to live up. 
father. <laughs> Assuming it's anti-aging. I don't want to keep adding like a bunch of other things to this, but for someone like Brock who has a kid on the way, does that kid still common? You can have kids, but people just don't age. And like with that kid, because I feel like you'd almost have to cap off an age. So everyone that's over 70 would stay 70 or, or everyone that's over 70 would stay the age they are. And then everyone else would be capped off at 70 at that certain age. Because if you said, "Hey, but you're going to look mean, like you what do you are mean now, capped off?" Like you don't look and feel older than 70, but you live forever. Okay. So Because you wouldn't say anyone over 70, we just kill them and then that's the norm is, <laughs> is, is Yeah, but all... once once we get to a certain point, is that what we start doing? Well, I, yeah, I, I mean, I guess it would <laughs> like, Yeah, that's, that's true. See what I'm saying? It's impacts. Right. right. But okay, so so you're assuming that do we develop Brock... a, like? Do we develop a not to interrupt you, but do we develop like a law like, okay, you can only live to 150, and when you hit 150, you have to go into the hospital and get your needle. And but then, that's but part then of the fear. Person, yeah, but then what person gets to pick that law? Because that wouldn't be just a governmental. That's like way beyond the United Nations. That's worldwide. <laughs> for sure. yep. Yeah, that that's and assuming in that time we don't have any sort of extraterrestrial interaction and then they want the same they come to earth because they want the the potion we have right and then we get where we're in a galactic war <laughs> oh my gosh this could go so many different ways but oh, yeah, yeah I, I don't think i'd like that i think i would like it if we all stayed now it would get old after a while just kill me whenever i'm meant to die <laughs> <laughs> because i wouldn't even want to be this age forever because imagine yeah, a world where no one where no one ages and time doesn't pass but we still go about our day-to-day then our parents still act like they control us and own us and they're smarter than like yeah. anyone that was above us is always for their our, rest of our lives is gonna be the elders and they're the wise people and oh hence why it's a general down. fear yeah <laughs> Big fear. I'm gonna shoot that BB gun up in the air. Yeah, man, uh, you're fear mongering. That's <laughs> that's that's too much. Uh, well, uh, what are you guys thinking? Well, so just hitting on mine real quick. Oh yeah, sorry, Bargo. I didn't even think about it. <laughs> no, no, you're good. Mine's mine's not long. So mine was just healthcare, and it's more more technology based. So more in my day to day work. So imagine if technology got to the point. To where it's, it's, there's still flaws because regardless of how good we get with technology or science, there's still going to be flaws. There's still going to be that 0.001%. So we're already starting to do minimally invasive surgeries to where we don't have to essentially cut a person open. You're able to stick a little needle in and then that has a bunch of other needles that go in and, and you essentially have like a poke hole for a kidney transplant or things along those lines. Like obviously that's an extreme, but the type of technology that's coming around the corner is so beyond what a doctor can do on the day to day or what a surgeon would do. So as someone that supports something like that, at what point do healthcare or do like medical and medicine technology devices, if someone dies, is that the surgeon that's facilitating that surgery as it's supposed to go off without a hitch or is it the company that produced that machine or is it the person that supports that machine so it's essentially 
and, and this is happening today where as we get more reliant on technology and the internet, there's so many things that people in IT and computer science have to deal with, and that just keeps growing and growing. So working for a healthcare company, a lot of our records, we do have paper backups, but almost all of our stuff is electronic. So if our network goes down, there's tons of redundancy, but if our network goes down because of a power outage and the technology fails that's supposed to back that up, you have people on those machines that we talked about that are dying. You have people that can't check in, can't check out, can't read their labs because we're, we're moving so fast that we're abandoning all these old reliable methods, but kind of hits back to automation. A lot of these methods, like you could go and sit in, in Brown, in the old Brown elementary building where there's a doctor's office now, and I'm sure they have good technology, but you can go somewhere like that 10, 15 years ago. And there, they have a machine that prints out a piece of paper that tells you what your blood result was. Whereas now you see it on a screen and we don't have printers and there's, there's such a heavy reliance on technology and that's spooky too, because that's when you hit that's when you hit cybersecurity and hackers with all these different uh, like crazy breaches. We're we're just so reliant on technology, passwords, things that are semi outdated. Two years after they're they're created, their inception, and all that comes back on people that are supposed to maintain this ever growing, ever moving enterprise. That's scary. That it was is. almost poetic. It's job security, but it's scary. <laughs> that is that is scary. The problem I mean, with job yeah. security is well, no, job security for sure because they're always one step ahead. Mm-hmm. So you yeah. always you always got to be thinking on your feet of what they're gonna do next. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I know just to speak on my company, we're growing so fast that we're acquiring all these different hospitals. So there's no lack of jobs in terms of transitioning them all into our onto our network, onto all the same inpatient, outpatient software that we're using. But that that breadth of work just creates like we're at eighteen hundred employees now. That number is gonna keep rising as we bring in these different hospitals. And then you have to govern in two, three years, twenty five, twenty six hundred employees just in IT across this huge enterprise. And make sure there's no holes in our network that one person can compromise and say, hey, you guys make millions and billions of dollars of each year. We can shut down and delete everything in one click. What are you going to do? Like yep. that, that is like the worst case scenario ever because think about a company that large. All the data they have, and that's a lawsuit waiting to happen, but all of the things that someone can do if they're really – if they're a, a genuinely bad person. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like that that's bigger than than Columbine and a school shooting. You can literally turn off everything. You can turn off what what are like pacemakers? Pacemakers mm-hmm. are like Bluetooth yeah. now. You could yeah, turn off a pacemaker. Uh, what the hell is that called? They're in the the Internet of Things. They're they're devices you can just connect to, which is absolutely insane. So if you're if the phone doesn't have security, someone can go in and just be like. Ooh, I'm gonna I'm gonna mess around with this. Like you don't know what you're really getting into, and that has that has crazy, crazy, crazy impacts. That's, that's a that lot I of don't want to deal with. <laughs> yeah. 
Okay, uh, well, that's my so that's my soapbox. Gonna wrap up. You'll wrap up a little bit. Uh, so obviously, quite the abundance of information thrown at you guys today. Uh, it was it's a lot, and it's kind of hard to think about because it's just so much information and so much. To, there's so much to learn in the world, and we all would definitely encourage any of you to go out and, and learn some more and, and read up on things. But uh, once again, thanks for listening. And if you made it this far, please subscribe and leave us a review uh, on your preferred podcast platform. And also check us out on social media at Vacant House PC and give us a follow. Uh, so until next time, keep your thoughts alive. Mm-hmm.